0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you wherever you are, and welcome to the 4Play Podcast. I'm David Turner, and I'll be joined today by not my fabulous co-hosts and music brothers, but instead one of our very own listeners, friend of the family. We bring this to you as little bonus pods. So here goes number seventeen. Okay, we're ready to go. Yep, I'm going to introduce uh, Patrick Moore, friend of the podcast. Friend of the family and Patrick. Here we are in the shadow. If there's sun, we'd be in the shadow of uh, Canterbury Cathedral for uh, an important family reunion.
1: Yeah, it's been been superb. My my mum um, turns ninety later this year, but it was deemed a much better idea to celebrate it in midsummer. Hence the indoor party because it's persisting, (laughs) Uh, and it's been great. Uh, Lots of family great friends and uh, the chance to discuss some music
0: yeah so we thought we'd grab the chance and have a bit of a chat yeah uh patrick as we'll get into has is steeped in in music background like myself more a consumer a purveyor rather than a musician absolutely a quick question
1: what instruments do you play? <laughs> None. I, I tried at school to learn the piano, but didn't have the patience to do the scales. I then tried trumpet and violin uh, and even guitar, but no. I have no musical, um, no musical qualities whatsoever apart from listening and taking in the uh, the details. Can't sing, can't dance, can't play, but. Hey, nothing to stop me loving it. You know what?
0: That's what musicians need, people like <laughs> us to be out there to buy their stuff because they can do it and we can't. Yeah. So I thought we'd just kick off with some of the sort of introductions or background for yourself for music. First question would be, do you remember what you used to, or the family used to play music on in the, in the house?
1: Yeah, my, my mum always uh, liked music. My dad, not so much. But my mum, uh, who is French, um, she would have the French radio on. So I was introduced to the likes of Piaf and Brassin very early. And they just, whilst I didn't um, appreciate them when you're sort of five or six, I took them on board. Uh, we listened to the kids' request programs. Oh, it's stupid. Show, Well, before him even, you know, um, and that was great. Uh, And I think my first real person who influenced music was a headmaster at Town Farm Junior School. Because every morning, for every assembly, uh, we were filed into the hall. And he had a little record player. In those days, they were only mono, but he had a record player up on the stage, and there would be a piece of classical music. Something like From the Love of the Three Oranges or Beethoven's Fifth. So by the time I was ten uh i'd had four years of that so oh, my right. classical music appreciation started back then fantastic um but yeah my mum was the first and then it was the radio
0: that's good um so then staying back in those years i don't know how soon around that period mm-hmm. did you ever buy any
1: records as, uh, i didn't didn't buy them because as as a kid kid um didn't have a job but uh, I, I listened to the charts and i can remember programs like ready steady go and the early days of top of the pops so you know the beatles when they first came out the first song i really really remember is she loves you Um, and all of that stuff the animals and the rolling stones um, which i adored and of course my dad wasn't too keen on but um, (laughs) i didn't start buying until i got a paper round when i was about 13 or 14. so that's 68 69 around that time but by then i didn't know i was already a uh, intermediate big time
0: and so then the first record you
1: bought or was that with your paper round money the first one i can remember actually buying was was it's all in the game by the four tops but when i look at when that was released it's about 71 and i'm sure I bought, oh, Is you it must um so i must have bought stuff before that and i got um sergeant pepper but i don't think it was at the time right. because i would only have been 12 right uh, and i wouldn't have i wouldn't have done it i mean the thing about when i bought records to begin with because we only had a mono record player i only bought mono so my first sergeant pepper was in mono my first uh, Bridge Over Trouble Water was in Mono. So, right, yeah. <laughs> no. right? That's the way um, they came out in those yeah, days. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. But I, uh, the actual first record, um, I cannot be sure. But I, by 68, 69, I was definitely into whatever was on the radio at that time.
0: And you've already mentioned their name, but I will ask you. Mm. who are your musical heroes <laughs>
1: yeah the fan four without a doubt um were, were the first and still are the greatest uh, which you know um, i don't think that will change um i already at that time had heard blues music without realizing what it was but knew i liked it so that would be mm. another major um it changed as you know. In the sixties, we were we were dead lucky. So you you had pop music, you had the middle of the road stuff, and then you started getting the Claptons of this world. Um, you had Dylan doing his protest songs that made you think about things. Right. Uh, and and by sixty eight, it was really just just exploding. It was fantastic. Um, you know, Thunderclap Newman and. Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin, which for a, a young teenager, they were mind-blowing. You know?
0: How did you get away with playing that in your house?
1: Oh, well, I didn't get away with playing it. Okay, um, that makes sense. My dad worked shifts, so you could have the radio on if he was on late, that kind of thing. Um, yep. And then the rest of the time, I was one of those who, who uh, had a transistor radio with a little earpiece that you used to have, single earpiece. Uh, So under the bedclothes in the evening, it was Radio Luxembourg, which would come in and out because it was a very poor reception. And then we got the Pirates, um, Radio Caroline, Radio City, Radio London, and they were brilliant. They were superb and they changed pop music in this country. And they were the forerunners anyway to Radio 1, weren't they? They forced the BBC to create <laughs> Radio 1, basically. That, that's a remarkable story in itself, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And most of the DJs, your Tony Blackburn's, Kenny Everett's. Uh, Tony Blackburn was the first. One of oh, the yes. first on it, Alan Freeman. They, they, they all started on those pirate stations, so mm. wonderful.
0: talked about your heroes. You, so... We lived not, we, we were very close to each other, so we are just on the outskirts of London, mm. just off the, the underground, so the subway, so not quite so easy to get into London. But can you remember your first concert?
1: The first um, concerts would have been about 72, 73, and I don't know whether I should be proud or ashamed to say that I'm not sure whether my first Hammersmith Odeon gig was uh, darts, Okay. or Shawaddy Waddy but it was one of those oh. two. Oh, that would have been raucous wouldn't it oh brilliant they were superb you know fluorescent suits and good oh, old rock and roll stuff darts were outrageous uh, if anybody has not heard of darts do look them up on youtube um they had a guy who would literally climb the uh, oh. the balconies of the the, the oh, amazing the, the audience you know it was wonderful
0: can you remember who was supporting? Because they must have been good acts in those days.
1: No. I don't know
0: if it was someone who was just coming up the, the ladder.
1: No. Um, I mean, again, because I found that that was a relatively easy venue to get to. Uh, and they had some big, big names. I saw Elton John when he brought out the um, Goodbye Yellow Brick album. Okay. That was my first of his concerts. McCartney played there on one of his first tours in 73. Um, I know that Elton John had Kiki D supporting, okay, but yeah. she was a stable mate at Rocket Records, so I, I understand that. But I, I have to say I wasn't that interested in supports at that time. That's changed, but at that time... Um, By any chance,
0: 1975, you didn't see Bruce Springsteen, his first gig? No. Bit?
1: No. No. Um, I was, I, my early uh, concerts were, uh, a lot of them were <laughs> almost questionable, Glitter Band, uh, Gary Glitter <laughs> himself, uh, Chic, they were great, uh, Hallie, they quiet. were superb, um, went to the concerts for Camper Cheer, which was four nights, four different headlines, and on the fourth night it was, Billy Connolly was the compere, Dave Edmonds' Rock Pile right. opened. Elvis Costello and the attractions were the meet between the two veg and the top of the bill was McCartney and Wings uh, which ended, they went off stage, Connolly did a 10-minute routine and when they opened the curtains, um, the orchestra group were in three tiers so you had most of Led Zeppelin, most of The Who all of Elvis Costello's band and Dave Edmonds band uh, plus mccartney it was it was um, just band-aid before band-aid then that was Aid before band-aid yeah, that was great that was cool
0: fantastic um
1: favorite gigs
0: you've mentioned already a lot you saw in the 70s but i know you've wow. seen many around around the globe in fact
1: uh super tramp in 79 um Whenever I went to concerts, the tickets were always somewhere up in the gods, so I never anticipated that I would be anywhere close. And it turned out for Supertramp, having not really looked at the ticket too closely, I was in row six. Was this at Wembley? At Wembley uh, Arena, and um, that was magnificent. Um, McCartney in um, Madison Square Garden was pretty special. High Point has got to be, um, there's a concert venue in Brussels called Forêt Nationale. It's a small version of Madison in that I think it has about 8,000 maybe, max, uh, with a mosh pit at the front. Um, Led Zeppelin on what turned out to be their final tour, because Bonham okay. died after that. Right. Um, and um, the, the little bonus to that one was that of the four friends who came to stay the night at my place so I could get tickets for them Uh, the girl amongst them was Jimmy Page's stepsister so having already got tickets we were then given uh, (laughs) guest passes to get in and uh, two of the lads spent the concert in the wings so I've got some fantastic photos and at 2.30 in the morning we just bedded down in the flat I had when the doorbell went and it was James, his security bloke yeah. um, t-shirts and posters and he had a glass of orange juice in my kitchen which i didn't <laughs> wash until it went moldy <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i've lived off the story ever since so that That's was 1980 amazing. that was brilliant just take you back to that
0: chat concert do you yes. remember which album that was
1: for it, it was um the crime of the century crime of the, uh, no no no, no. It, was, it was it was breakfast in america was the big one so and I knew some of those tracks, and I knew "Crime of the Century," but I didn't know their other stuff, and it was phenomenal.
0: I was at I was at that concert. Oh right,
1: okay. And I remember the the setup with the, the setup parasol and the big screen at the back. I have all yeah, all of the that Churchill that, yeah.
0: speech, but also I remember when they did. Um, just trying to think, a couple of things off "Crime of the Century." That's what you know. When they had oh. asylum, and you had all those different yes. characters coming onto yes. stage in really? there. Rudy,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, phenomenal. Which phenomenal. is the one with the train? That is Rudy, that's Rudy, Rudy isn't Rudy it? Is where you had, the, so you had the they had
0: the screen yes. that comes down, and you've got that. Got that sped bass. up. You've got the, and you've got the sped up um, image of the flying scot Little story on on that one. In those days, I was working in in Ashford, so Ashford in, mm-hmm. in Middlesex, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And four of us had tickets to go to that concert. Um, now, of the four of us. Only one of us could drive, and that was our assistant manager in those days, Mervin. I won't mention his last name. Um, <laughs> Mervin, lovely guy, really lovely guy. Had a problem with drink. Lived in the Medway, and he commuted every day from the Medway to to Ashford. So it was a long journey around, and the, the, the M25 didn't exist in no, those days. No, no, no. Um, And he had the day off of that of that gig so that he could come and pick us up, which is great. And he turned up, and he had a passenger on his uh, in his in his seat. It was a nearly empty bottle of teachers. Wow. So, so there's the three of us looking at him, looking at the bottle. He because he was yeah. used to drinking, he was still comatose on there. But we sort of looked at a quick conflag. I mean, I would have been eighteen. I think the the other two guys, one was twenty, and the other one was twenty one. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, we can't we can't let Mervyn drive. so what are we gonna do? Um, so we looked around and said, so I said, count me out, my driving test is just coming up, I haven't had it. The other guy, Cliff, he still can't drive today. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily one of the, the the third guy, Andy, did have a, a provisional driving license. So he said, Andy, you're driving, jump in the seat, we'll put Merv, hold him. Yeah. So so the, yep. the learned driver suddenly was driving through all this traffic up to Hammersmith. Oh, wow. Whilst we're driving along the way, there's a lot, quite a lot of traffic. And and one point, there was a, a motorbike, moped, if everyone coming towards us. And this guy clips our car. And we're all looking back, and the traffic's just pulling away. And then the moment of panic, it's like, what are we going to do? And I, I turned around, and I said, look, he's just got up. He's, he's clearly all right. They just drove on. Oh, wow. So we go up there and sort of thinking what's happened what's happened got up to to wembley managed to take our seats lost mervyn at one point (laughs) i went to find him who was i found him in in the the men's toilets fallen asleep peeing so he's just head against the wall so we got him together got him a coffee got him in the seat and then just in time for the concert to begin i don't know if you remember how it started the lights went down, and then there was an announcement. They said, uh, We have oh. an announcement today from the Metropolitan Police. Yes. And we were looking at each other and say, When you go home tonight, make sure you take the long oh, road my home. God. <laughs> oh, that was an uncomfortable few minutes Whoa. There.
1: Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you saying about the, the guy um, falling asleep because of the drink, we went to see Eric Clapton at Madison Square Garden in late 80s, early 90s, and the support there, I do remember, were called Buckwheat Zydeco. Um, they I were, have heard of them. Well, they, they, they're a nice enough band, but they weren't the band for a Clapton concert, so they, they didn't last too long, unfortunately. Oh, the crowd did New didn't York really crowd were, were not too happy. In front of us, about half a dozen rows. In those days, you could still smoke indoors, mm. and there were four guys who were smoking, but it wasn't Marlborough Um, that they were ingesting Um, (laughs) and you could cut the atmosphere with a knife kind of an envelope yeah Um, so just as the lights were going down one of them had obviously had a wee bit too much of this calming (laughs) influence promptly fell asleep and did not shift for the next hour and a half two hours and flattened did his thing lights came up they had to wake him up to take him away crazy I'd love to know what he tells people about that
0: night we're going to get onto your sort of your your adventures in in music yep. and the, the, and what, how you got involved, not being a musician. Before that, your favourite few albums? Just I'm just asking you off the top,
1: yeah, um, the top of your head. Well, before that, um, things like Sgt Pepper and, and Bridge Over Troubled Water was a superb album. Um, whilst I liked what I heard on the radio and. The general sort of popular music. It's only when I got a job living in as a chef at a place in Colnebrook. I met a head chef there called Stephen Poole, who was my age, so we're talking twenty twenty one, um, And he was the guy who introduced me to uh, Supertramp through Crime of the oh, Century. Okay. And that's where I got to hear four symbols for the first time. Um, Dark Side of the Moon, which you wouldn't my, get exposure you to. Know, really I haven't really heard on, any of those things. And at that point, my musical appreciation just exploded. So, all of those immediately became favourites, got into groups like the Moody Blues. Um, so, it's 1979, 1980 is when things sort of changed for me as far as what I then do with music. Um, I was working for a courier company, which in the early days of that industry, you actually had couriers. You you know, it's not like now where they fill a plane with DHL on it or (laughs) FedEx on it. In those days, there would be half a dozen or more guys sitting at the back of an aircraft, each of them with a bag of stuff in the hold, flying for companies called, uh, well, Airport Couriers was where I worked. They sent me to Brussels. Uh, to run the office, which sounds very... um very glamorous. And glamorous. <laughs> it turned out to be me, uh, a girl in the office and a driver. And I spent more time doing deliveries to Luxembourg than I did trying to mm-hmm. drum up a business. But that's another thing. I didn't know anybody. And I was fiddling with the radio one Sunday afternoon, uh, trying to find something listenable amongst all the Belgian, French, Flemish stuff that was going. And an English voice came out. Um, and it turned out there was an English program every Sunday run out of a real pirate station that was in a block of flats somewhere in the north of the city right? and they were asking for some feedback um, so I rang them up and I said look I'm living above Forêt National uh, I like to go to gigs do you want a concert reviewer and they said well if you like music and you've got some records here's the studio come and see us next week wow. um, never been in a recording you know never been a DJ never thought of being a DJ uh, and from that first Sunday, um, you know, they got me to play a couple of records, and then I learnt how to become a radio DJ. And from that, I went to a club um, where one of the on. radio guys was uh, a disc jockey for the Embassy Club, and be- you know, did that kind oh. of DJing for discos and parties and that kind of stuff. And that's where it all began. And I, I loved it. Absolutely
0: loved it. but that also meant you were a pirate.
1: Yeah. It was, indeed, already.
0: Already? Oh, that's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So where did that lead you to from there? Because you didn't just stay in Brussels.
1: No, no. um, convoluted story, met met a lovely lady. um, And she worked in a job that took her abroad. So we went from there to a couple of places where there wasn't the opportunity. But then we ended up in Wellington, New Zealand and uh, they have an excellent um, university radio out of Victoria University called Radioactive, run by students 24-7, and Sundays was specialist afternoon and there was a blues show, by which time having spent three and a half years in uh, New York and seen some of the greats that I had always dreamed of, your Buddy Guys, your BB Kings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Reuter um, you know all of those uh, I, I sort of gave them a call and said look I did a little bit of radio some years back not buddy guy um, <laughs> didn't mean a Guy. No." <laughs> <laughs> and um, would, would it be possible to come down and, and I ended up not only doing one show every couple of weeks I ended up running the roster for that and spent about 18 months doing a blues show, um, which was great fun. And you, you, know, you take your own CDs in and you do your own playlist. You had people ringing in or writing in or whatever. And then um, there was an Englishman who had earned a fortune by writing a 30 second ditty for an advertisement, which is played constantly in New Zealand uh, for a shop called The Warehouse. Um, and he decided he wanted to set up his own uh, radio station because he didn't like the way it was done everywhere else mm-hmm. and he's one of these guys who his playlist is basically along the line of for each hour uh, an album track, a single track, and a, a solo artist, a band had to have at least two Kiwi acts, um, well-known song, something brand new I got a six-hour slot on a Sunday afternoon oh um every sunday and i would give him my list of what i wanted to bring in on a on a thursday uh, because i've got quite a collection and it's eclectic and i wanted to bring that to a radio station and it worked brilliantly so you would hear bessie smith followed by the laughing policeman and then i might drop in a bit of led zeppelin Uh, Somebody would ring in and ask for a Kiwi artist and it just went round and round. I did a year of that before we left and if I had my life again, I would love to do that kind of thing. To be a a John Peel or a Bob Harris, I'm not interested in the Tony Blackburn type of thing, all respect to them, but I, I love the idea of bringing... A variety of music yeah. to people, and having that book mirrored back to me, yeah. over, you know, and that's that's just grown and grown.
0: Six hours—that feels like six a hours. long time.
1: Yeah, but it, it it sort of went. I'm I'm extremely grateful to to my wife, who obviously thought it was a dumb good idea to get rid of me for half a day every <laughs> weekend, um, and it worked. You know, it worked really well. Um, And I've had some fun, fun memories from that. The studio had a full wall window, basically, that looked out over one of the bays around Wellington. So there was always something to look at, particularly as they're a sailing fanatic nation. Um, Yeah, it was great. Wonderful, wonderful.
0: One of great memories to have something like that. So what was your next musical
1: gig? Um, well, that was it as far as doing anything on, on any radio is concerned. Uh, I never did follow it up here because, to be honest, I didn't think there would be anywhere that maybe local radio would do it, you know, very local. And um, and um, the other one would be um, like community radio or hospital radio, but I, I don't want to give that sort of time to it. All
0: oh, right, yeah, because there's a commitment there, isn't there? There is a
1: commitment there. Um, Now the last job I was in, it was just a customer service thing, which is what I've done most of my life. One of the guys who was a trainer there, who knew about my passion for music, um, told me about this strange and wonderful world called Facebook, which I'd not been involved in because I'd only got a laptop about 18 months previously. So he told me about this thing and he said, you can set up your own music sort of page, you can be a DJ on Facebook kind of thing, not live, not talking like I'm talking now or anything, but setting up a place where you can post your bits of music and put a little bit of information and see what happens, and I've been doing that for just over four years now. Four years? Four years, just after the 10th of July was the fourth anniversary of FM Pat, as okay. I commonly
0: called it. Okay, well, let's. What I'll do is I'll share the link for that on our Brilliant. Facebook
1: page. Yes, I do
0: so you'll you'll be able to give a few more people a chance. Anyone anyone here will message me if you want to get any more details yeah. about it, because you do play a very broad and varied and eclectic mix of of music.
1: I actively try to make it that as much as possible, um, and you know some days I'm more successful than others. What, what it started out as simply was somewhere for me to share my musical tastes but it very quickly has developed into one where um, not only am I playing the music that I already like and have I've taken lots of music off friends pages, myself included um, and also there's been a great feedback I have people who message me with suggestions or tell me about people dying for instance who I might have missed um, and it's just it's just carried on so yeah it's about 10, 10 posts a day which I think is just about enough without being too much
0: just to clarify um, it's not live streaming but no. you, you share a little bit of a backstory yep. about a piece of music and then you normally find a YouTube clip
1: uh, yeah as what? much as possible I try to put a video just to be interesting rather than uh, looking at a yeah. static picture but it's yeah it's it's stuff that you can you can go and look at at any time you can actually go into the search on the page and go back to 2017 or, you know look for an artist you like or anything uh, it's there it's public uh, and the Morgan area basically
0: that's brilliant. what I'm going to ask so we'll come to the end shortly yeah. is if you can give me a list so normally with each show We'll have 16 songs. Uh, I do about, five, I do two lots of, oh, yours. No, no. so, on, on, so from the pod, from our podcast, oh, yeah. for each show or each theme, we share 16 songs. So if you want to give 16 songs you'd like to share with people, which you can get on Spotify, then I'll share that link and then people can listen to that.
1: Okay. Do you want me to come up with them now or you? No,
0: I wouldn't be that oh, cool. good. <laughs> but uh, I'll, again, I'll attach the link for that in the uh, Facebook post on be here. a be a pleasure. Um, any any party memories about music before we go? Uh,
1: well I mean it's it's things like um, seeing McCartney on uh, three different continents. Wow. Uh, it's quite special. Um, I, I claim I had a conversation with him after his uh, camp, concert for Campuchir in in, uh, in uh, at Hammersmith. Uh, the reality was he and Linda pulled up in his little uh, Lotus Europa uh, and there were about <laughs> a dozen of us still standing about outside uh, and he wound the window down and said, uh, enjoy the gig guys and we all went, yeah, we went, great, thumbs up and off he went. And I'm counting that as, as a conversation with Paul McCartney. That counts. of course but, uh, he used to come,
0: he was close to us, he used to come to Shepherd uh, right,
1: Danny Lane. I met Denny Lane at a pub in Lailham on the riverfront. There you go. Really? (laughs) Yes.
0: What a great way to close. (laughs) Patrick, I want to thank you for your time. Brilliant. Um, Thank you. Details will be in in the links on here. And uh, continue your listening and sharing the music.
1: Will do. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much.